This morning, uh, we have two quite brief scripture passages uh, that, that we're going to be focusing on, and also that um, Lord's Day 21 of the Heidelberg Catechism. The Heidelberg Catechism is one of our confessions, and, and you can find it in the back of the Blue Psalter hymnal. That question and answer is also going to help inform uh, our message, and that question and answer is based on a lot of other scripture passages besides these two. But first of all, let's hear from God's Word in Galatians and Ephesians. Uh, This is God's holy and infallible Word. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law but by faith in Jesus Christ. And so we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law because by observing the law, no one will be justified. And then Ephesians, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. As Pastor Matthew said, Pillars of the Reformation is our October sermon series, and it's because this month is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Why is that important? Well, apart from Jesus coming in the first place, obviously the most important event in in the history of the world. But apart from that, probably nothing has had greater influence on the church today and in the last 500 years than the Reformation. And that's why it's good for us to focus on this. 500 years ago, so that was 1517, Martin Luther nailed 95 theses or discussion points uh, to the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. That was a big deal, although it doesn't sound like a big deal to us. In that culture, theology and the church were discussed and cared about almost as much as politics today. The point of the 95 Theses was to make the church better. Luther had discovered that the church's teachings over the years had drifted from Scripture about how we reach heaven and what we must do to be saved and how sinners are made right with God. The church back then said these things happened through church rituals, through good deeds, and even through paying money to the church uh, with things called indulgences. Luther tried all of that. Everything the church was telling him to do. But he never achieved peace in his heart because he knew and found out there was never anything he could do 
as an imperfect sinner to please God. Over the years, uh, from Luther and Reformers, many of them followed him, five main ideas developed, the main teachings of the Reformation. And they're called the five solas, and that's the Latin word that was the, the common language of the day, the Latin word for alone. And we're not going to look at them in detail, but you can kind of see them up there. There's the, um, the Latin word sola, sola, whatever, and then the English behind it, and then a brief description of what each of those are. And um, these solas continue to be the only secure pillars for people to stand on in terms of our salvation. Now, Luther did not intend uh, to leave the Catholic Church which was the only church of that day. But it turned out that positive change could only happen from new churches developing. And so thousands and thousands of Christians broke off the Catholic Church in those days, in the 1500s. And the result to this day is that there are a half a billion people in the world, who identify as Protestants, as they came to be called, because they were protesting, protesting uh, the false and anti-biblical teaching of the church way back then. Lutheran churches, Reformed, Presbyterian, Methodist, Bible churches, non-denominational churches, Baptist churches, all of these churches came from the Reformation and were united and unified with all of them because they also stand on Christ alone, Scripture alone, grace alone, and the rest. So we're going to be looking at each of those solas as we move forward this month. Faith alone today. Specifically, that word in Galatians, justification by faith alone. Justification is being made right with God. And that's the heart of the Christian faith. That things become right between us and God. That original harmony that God created for us to have in our own hearts that harmony God created us to have with Him, with others in the world, and with all of creation. It was broken by sin. How do we find harmony again? That's the central problem of life. And ultimately, the solution is the biblical faith, the faith we find taught in the Bible. Ephesians says it's by grace you have been saved through faith. Martin Luther wrote, 
God our Father has made all things depend on faith so that whoever has faith will have everything and whoever does not have faith will have nothing. So if this is true, and you can, you can leave it up there just a little bit, if this is true, and I believe it is, and Martin Luther was a pretty bright guy um, who studied Scripture, if it's true, uh, this means this idea of faith, us talking about faith and understanding it, it's critically important. It's absolutely important that you have faith, that you know the faith. Um, Elton Trueblood, he was a, a Quaker theologian. Uh, the Quakers came out of the Reformation as well, and the Amish. In the 20th century, he was uh, a chaplain at Harvard and at Stanford universities. He once said this, Faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservations. Just leave that up there for a bit if you could. People in our world may think faith is believing something without proof. And I think a lot of people who, who aren't Christians think that. You know, um, people talk about blind faith. And I've heard, maybe you've heard this too, people say I wish I could have your faith. I wish I could have the faith of Christians. And they're sort of implying, I'm too smart for that. They're implying any rational person couldn't possibly believe. You, you guys are, 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 are just not thinking and you have faith. But as this quote says, and you've got to know this too, our faith is not blind belief. Absolutely not. Uh, this morning we want to answer the question, what is faith exactly? Someone knows you're a person of faith at work, maybe in the neighborhood. Well, what does that mean that you're a person of faith? How would you explain this? Trust Without reservations. I like that. I think that's a good definition. But what else can we say beyond that? Four dimensions of faith uh, that I hope and trust will help us out this morning. One, faith is knowledge. And that's how the catechism started. Faith is knowledge, not blind belief. Faith has content. John 3.18 says, whoever believes, so whoever believes, we're talking about faith, belief, faith, that's the same thing. Whoever believes in him, and the context there is Jesus, Whoever believes in Him, Jesus, is not condemned. So it's not enough just to be a people of faith or to have faith in life. It's not enough to believe, generally speaking. We must, the Bible says, have faith in 
Jesus. And Jesus, as the Bible reveals Him, this is where we come to know Jesus. Faith is knowledge is important to, to say today because something called agnosticism is big in our world. An agnostic, that's, that's a, a, a Greek-rooted word, gnostic has to do with knowledge. A is, an, is negative. Agnostic. An agnostic person is not so sure about stuff especially in the spiritual realm. I'm not so sure there is a God, a lot of people say. I don't really know. That's what agnosticism is. Agnosticism, this not really knowing or, or feeling like they know, don't know, can, can even seep into the church and Christian thinking uh, where people today might emphasize good things like service, serving others, good thing, a heartfelt passion for God, and our emotions and hearts being lifted up for God. Again, a very good thing, but emphasize those matters while downplaying doctrine and truth. But the fact is, faith does include knowledge, a deep and growing knowledge of Christ. A faith without content will result in disaster. And that was a big problem at the time of the Reformation. Um, the people in the churches didn't know the content of their faith. And the Reformers knew that wasn't right because faith is a knowledge. And so they emphasized especially three things. Uh, the importance of preaching God's Word. Also, they emphasized the importance of getting the Bible into the hands of the people which could happen for the first time because of the recent invention of the printing press. And three, they also wrote catechisms to give people summaries of the true faith. What is the content of your faith? Well, and, and give people a Bible. Well, that's good. We need to be in our Bibles and read those Bibles. But it's helpful to have summaries of the faith too. And they wrote catechisms like crazy. We know about the Heidelberg Catechism because we, we read from it and preach from it sometimes. Uh, but there were literally dozens, if not hundreds, of catechisms written in the 1500s, in the 1600s, in all different churches and denominations. So preaching... People having their own Bibles to read and know and catechisms. Uh, that was especially emphasized uh, to because they knew knowledge of the faith was important. Some people think you can just live life uh, with the general faith. Just believe. Just believe. But that doesn't even make sense. 
to say just believe. Believe what? Faith must be in someone, in something. It has to have content, and that's Jesus and everything the Bible reveals about him. Second today, faith includes assurance. And our catechism said that. It's not only a knowledge and conviction that everything God reveals in His Word is true, it's also a deep-rooted assurance. Martin Luther lacked assurance of his faith, and it's because he could never do enough good works to counteract and outweigh his sin. And that caused doubt and insecurity spiritual insecurity in his life. But he came to security when he discovered the true faith. And we can find that too. Comfort through faith in Jesus. There seems to be a trend today that doubting and wondering is cool, that it's normal. Um. But doubt is not the goal of true faith. Embracing doubt, I think, is a result of relativism that's so common today. Relativism. You have your way of living, your beliefs, I have mine. Who knows what's right? We'll probably never know for sure. Why don't you just kind of believe and do what's right for you? I'll do what's right for me. It's, it's, it's how a lot of people operate. And, and so many people don't have conviction about anything. But that's not true faith. Christians experience times of doubt. But continual wondering and wandering is not the goal. Biblical faith gives you something sure to base your life on. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And the fact is, when you have this faith we're talking about this morning, you can have a deep-rooted assurance in this life. You've got than something to stand on as opposed to most folks in this world who don't. Third, faith is of God. The Catechism says, faith is created in me by the Holy Spirit through the Gospel. And that we could say in a sense, faith is not my doing. Faith is not something we come up with on our own. God, the Spirit, puts it in our hearts. And that flies in the face of secular humanism. And secular humanism is the worldview that says men and women don't need help from above. Men and women don't need divine help through their own reason and skills, humans can accomplish anything. And that seeps into 
uh, Christian thinking if we ever start to think that we have something to do with our salvation. It's so, secular humanism is so prevalent, it, it, it's hard not to think that because we think humans can accomplish anything. We can do anything. And, and so uh, we think that maybe we've got something to do with our salvation, like going to church, tithing, helping others. It's got to help. We're tempted to think that, that somehow the more good stuff I do, the happier God is with us. But that's not right. Salvation is 100% of God. We could never save ourselves, even just a little bit. Sin is too big of a problem for us to handle. Anything good we do, and we want to do things for the Lord, we do. Anything good, though, is a grateful response to what he's already done for us in Jesus. Now, the church in Luther's day was making people feel like they had to do things to earn salvation. And in fact, the religious leaders in Jesus' day did the same thing. We make a mistake if we get into that pattern of thinking and living today. Jesus says, and he, he said it to the people of his day, he says it to you and me today, just come to me. Just accept God's gift. That's it. That's it. Finally, faith is personal. True faith is not just something out there. True faith is not just something my grandparents had or my parents have. True faith is for you this morning. True faith is something to have in your heart. That faith is personal is very different from saying it's our faith is individualistic. And that needs saying because our culture tends to be individualistic. And individualism is a me-centered outlook on the world. It's about what I've accomplished all on my own without anyone's help. Individualists talk about pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps that way of thinking, if we apply it to salvation and the problem of our sin, it's very anti-biblical. It doesn't recognize others in our life and their support in our faith. It misses uh, the community of, of the church, the communion of the saints. Faith is not individualistic, but it is personal. Another great reformer, the one that, that our tradition, Reformed and Presbyterian churches especially stand on, is John Calvin. He once said, faith is not a distant view, but a warm embrace of Christ. 
an embrace of Christ. And, and that means we are called to receive this gift of God. And so the fact that we're called to receive the gift and yet faith is of God, that, that's, that's almost a paradox, isn't it? Salvation, how we're right with God, it's not by works so that anyone can boast. God puts faith in our hearts. And yet the Bible says at the same time, and this does not contradict these other matters, at the same time, we're called to exercise that faith that God puts in our hearts. We're called to use that faith God puts in our hearts to reach out to Jesus with open arms. The Catechism says, Faith is knowing not only others, but I too have had my sins forgiven and so forth. True faith is not that Jesus died on the cross for sinners once way back when, It's not that Jesus died on the cross for sinners out there, generally speaking, though that's true. But true faith is that Jesus has died for me. True faith is not not only that God is love. True faith is that God loves me, a sinner. It's that I'm forgiven. It's that I've been made right with God. It's that I will live forever with Him. It's that I can have harmony with myself despite my sin. It's that I can have harmony and loving relationships with others and most of all with the God of the universe. True faith is personal. It's for you. And so... Take this personal gift. When when we have this gift, we have everything. And without it, truly, we have nothing of any lasting or real value. I spoke earlier about people who look down on people of faith. And what they probably don't realize is that Everyone has faith of some kind. Everyone is putting their faith somewhere in something. Whether it's in their feelings, kind of just following their heart day by day, whether it's in their intellect and reason. Some people put a lot of faith and stock in their in their wealth and find sort of even ultimate security there. Everyone has faith of some kind. You know what? Even Hugh Hefner, who died this week, had faith. The most hedonistic person you could think of who had such damaging effect on 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 so many people, on the culture, he had faith. I don't know how to get it exactly right, what he had faith in, but it was, you know, 
in, in openness, in, in freedom, in letting loose man's, uh, men, men's attraction toward women. Uh, maybe someone else could find a, a better way to describe what he had faith in. But he had faith, he had a, a, a philosophy, and he thought that approach to the world that he unfortunately wanted to share with others, he thought that would bring happiness and joy in life. But what a terrible, terrible mistake he made. Everybody is wired by God to have faith in something. It's just whether we have the right faith. And faith alone, that sola, is saying in the end, there is only one right faith. There is only one right faith. I had some rough weeks as I hit the halfway point of my chemotherapy treatments four or five weeks ago. I think a lot of you know that. Um, and, 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 and if I'm being honest, I still don't feel quite out of the woods. I'm so thankful for the extra prayers and the support and love. I need them. And I'm thankful so, you know, so many of you have been pointing me to our faith and what it's all about. I'll tell you, if I had nothing beyond my own feelings and rationalizing, and Sarah will tell you this, if I had nothing beyond that to put my faith in these days, I'd be in big, big trouble because the chemo's tearing me down. It's messing with my emotions. It's messing with my thinking. But I got more than that. I have Jesus And so do you when you go through hard times. And it's the only thing. He's the only one that will see you through. True faith is a sure knowledge. It's an assurance, a comfort. This faith is of God. I'm so thankful today that it doesn't originate in me or I'd be in trouble. If it were up to us, we'd have let go of God long ago. But God gives us the gift of faith. Faith is of God and faith is personal. So claim it for your own. Boys and girls, uh, you younger ones and even teenagers who have come in uh, driving this morning with your parents, that's so good. But be sure that the faith your mom and dad have because they brought you here, be sure that their faith in Jesus is your faith, boys and girls. Ask Jesus into your heart. We're saved through faith alone. This faith, the biblical faith, it's the only faith that is true. It's the only one that works. It's bigger than any of your doubts, and it will outlast any storm. Receive God's gift for you again, or for the very first time. 
as we head into the Lord's Supper, that celebration of the only object of our faith, Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Amen.